The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on Chaos to Cured podcast are the speaker's own. All discussion is based on our own experiences. We do not and cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any information. Chaos to Cured podcast cannot give medical or health advice. All discussion is based upon our personal experiences and meant for general and educational purposes. This podcast is not a substitute for professional help or for diagnostic purposes for yourself or another. Cast Cured Podcast always encourages you to consult an appropriate professional. Cast Cured Podcast is here to explain our perspective of the human experience. We hope it leads to questions, learning, wisdom, and knowledge. Welcome to Chaos to Cured Podcast. Um, as a disclaimer for everyone listening, um, we are talking about you know intense subjects, um, and we go into depth from our own personal experience. But none of the things we say uh, or you know advise or talk about um, should be you know taken uh, out of context. Please seek uh, medical advice if it's you know a medical issue. Speak to a financial advisor if we're talking about finances. Anything we are talking about, please speak, seek uh, expert advice. Um, today, we wanted to talk um, about being someone who is, and I don't love the word neurotypical, but being someone who um, is diagnosed with something and dealing with relationships, dealing with families, with teachers, any sort of relationship. Um, and I'm, again, you know, very blessed to have my amazing co-host, uh, Jeffrey Freed. Um, and, uh, so Jeffrey, I'm just going to just jump right in and let you kind of dive in. Um, I know you have a bunch of different, you know, insights and, and maybe some, let's start with some of the issues that you see in the individuals you work with. And we'll kind of jump back to me when you see fit. Um, I'd love it to just dive, dive in. I'll do it. Um, having worked with so many I work with a lot of kids, and in the first part of my career, all kids. Now I work with all ages, but the family stuff is fascinating. Um, I saw a quote the other day on the internet, and it just struck me as really apropos, and it had to do with addiction. And uh, of course, that relates to the family too, uh, because most addicts, most people live in a family. And it said that the addict is not necessarily the most unhealthy person in the family. And what that means to me is stuff in the family, it's, there's a balance going on. Um, there's a good one if you have a couple of kids. There's a bad one. They're not necessarily a bad one, but a one with problems. And then you have a certain amount of tension that people get used to in the house. And what ends up happening is people take on their roles and when the roles switch because when i work with people they usually get better and when they get better i kind of warn the family that someone else is probably going to get worse pick up the slack and i've seen that so many times and it's fascinating it just it's almost as if a family gets used to a certain amount of tension there's a scapegoat there's a person that will cover it up. There's someone who 
when things get too good, will shake things up. And when one person leaves that role, whatever role they're in, in that dynamic, someone else picks it up. And it's usually the person who is highly sensitive, visual, creative, intuitive, reads all kinds of subverbal cues, who takes on the role of the bad guy or bad girl in the family. Um, and it's so interesting, again, to, to watch how this evolves as somebody gets better. Um, the other thing that strikes me so interesting uh, about families is the people that I work with, the people that have the moniker of on the spectrum or ADD or bipolar, they're, they're almost always extraordinarily sensitive and they overreact or underreact to issues that come up. They, it's all subverbal too, because virtually all people that I work with um, are very, very rich in imagination, creativity, and nonverbal intelligence, a fluid sort of intelligence, an intelligence that picks up really, really well on cues and on inferences. And they react to stuff like that. They tend to get insulted very easily. Um, they're always on guard for being attacked or for somebody slating them. And that makes them pretty hyper-reactive. And I try, to, I try to teach people that, okay, you are this way. Try to see things from other people's perspectives. Get off in your head and try to be them. And you're you're them, and they're you. How are you? How are you viewing them? Or are they viewing you? And that sort of taps in to a spatial form of intelligence, which the people whom I work with all have. They're they're all rich in spatial intelligence, and we all think of spatial intelligence as the ability to see angles and things from perspectives, and that that is part of it. But there's also another kind of spatial intelligence that I call interpersonal spatial intelligence. And that's the ability to see things from other people's perspectives. So I try to teach them to do that. Because one of the things I've noticed is no one ever teaches them that. They just assume that they can't read cues. And the reality is, is they read cues too well, if that's even possible. And they're always, they're very defensive. They're always afraid of being attacked because a lot of the people I work with have been attacked in school. I mean, not physically attacked, but bullied, treated as if they're inferior. And so what happens is they never develop that ability to get outside of their own heads and see other people as they view them. And that is something that they have in the repertoire of intelligences that needs to be pointed out to them. What do you think about what I said, Kirk? Give me a reaction. I, I really love a lot of the things you just said. So one, for all of the listeners that you know, are wondering what you know, a subverbal cue is, um, there, you know, communication is not always just the words. 
Um, it's, you know, the feel in the room when you walk by somebody, you know, um, you know, the look they give you, uh, the way they, you know, talk, the tone of their voice. There's so many different things that we all pick up on. And, um, you know, it, it's, there were, there were a couple of things that you said. One that was really interesting is um, how that, the, the frustration of not being able to kind of communicate properly builds up. It's something I personally experienced, you know, because a lot of times, um, you know, a, a teacher would try to communicate with me. I'm just trying to get like an answer of like, you know, why do, why do we have to learn this? Or, you know, whatever the case might be. And um, a lot of times, you know, the reaction I would get, just like you mentioned, um, it would come back at me and I would feel like it was either aggressive or um, I would be maybe even paranoid or, you know, concerned about like, okay, did I say it right? So I'd be overthinking everything mm -hmm. that I spoke about. And then what would happen is I wouldn't lash, I, I, I would lash out. It would be an emotional explosion. The problem is, is that what I was exploding about had nothing to do about what I was trying to communicate. And so everyone um, that was in the room um, is going, wow, why is he getting so like upset? Why, like, why did this happen? Why is he getting, you know, angry about something small? Well, it wasn't even necessarily the small thing. Sometimes it would just build up throughout like a day or a week. And my frustration was so high because I'm not, I don't feel like anybody in the world is getting me. And so the, and again, I'm very good at picking up like a feel. So, you know, a, a common term for that now is like empaths, right? So, you know, you feel and you, you're so empathetic, you're almost hypersensitive to how someone else is feeling. And when I went around um, and let's say, actually let's take this current climate that we have in the world um it, it's a great example and it doesn't matter if it's now or if it's in you know 50 years ago or in 200 years people are going to be the same when we pick up on everybody feeling worried concerned um angry uh frustrated with you know jobs with um you know state the, of the world yes the, the speed of everything, what happens is that accumulates. So, you know, I do my best to kind of push it away. Um, and what would happen is when I was younger and I didn't know how to deal with that, um, it would kind of build up inside of me. And at, at a certain point, you can only hold so much energy in. It would just unleash and that would come out of course, at the most inopportune times when I was dealing with a law enforcement agent, you know, or when I was dealing with, you know, somebody I cared about, whether it was, you know, a loved one, someone in a relationship, a friend. And then those instances were so extreme that, of course, you'd lose that relationship. Um, now, the so I wanted to kind of talk about that because I really liked how you brought up like how they send some of this stuff and they have it in their ability to communicate properly. I love that because a lot of times the parents think that, oh, they can't communicate well. They just don't know how to do it. No, they do. They need to understand, first of all, to take time 
um, yep. to not let things build up. Um, yep. And then, as you mentioned before, be able to see from other people's perspective so they don't feel like, okay, this person, maybe they're coming off as aggressive, but maybe they're not trying to be aggressive. What, maybe they had a hard day. Maybe their tone of voice is off because of something other than me. And once I learned that skill, I could communicate a lot better. And that brings me back to the first thing that you talked about, which was the family dynamic where somebody starts getting better and all of a sudden you have other people, um, whether they're friends or family that's used to it. Pick up the slush. Exactly. And they, so for me, when my chaos started kind of vanishing, the chaos in my, uh, in the other aspects of my life started taking off. A great example of that is, you know, my, my very first, you know, um, marriage, you know, she's an amazing woman, but she, I'll never forget, um, you know, when, when we kind of ended things, I, I had a question. I was like, why do you want to end things? I'm like, now I'm stable. You know, I'm, I don't have bipolar swings anymore. You know, I got on a, you know, uh, medication regimen that, you know, I found and it worked and, um, her exact words, and I'll never forget them because they just ring so strongly, but she said, you're a completely different person. She said, that's not stability at all for me because she was used to these swings of this massive depression and this massive mania. And, um, I actually think my stability was one of the downfalls of our relationship because when you're used to that dynamic, when it changes, what do you hold on to? What do you still have? She fell in love with the way you were, the bipolarness. And then when it was cured, she would have needed to fall in love with the new Kirk and couldn't. The, The boundaries, everything had changed through the whole thing off. That's something that nobody ever speaks about or rarely speaks about. And it's so key to getting better and to balancing things out. A, a thing that struck me as, as quite interesting also is right brain, right hemisphere dominant people, they are not as verbal normally as neurotypicals are. They think in pictures, they don't think in words. Their emotions are more intense. Um, and a lot of times, the people I work with are very, very afraid of their feelings because their feelings are so intense. And when you have those intense feelings and something happens, you learn to sit on them, to repress them, because they could get you into trouble. If you're really in a bad mood and a cop stops you and comes over and just asks you to um, get, you know, show him or her your papers, your license and registration and you could just start thinking again because of your intense react reactability you get really furious and you're afraid you're going to lash out at the cop and he's going to shoot you so you stuff it um you're afraid of the power of your emotions so that when they come out they're three or four times more intense as they would have been had you expressed them earlier Repression is not a good way to live your life. It can sabotage your health, physical and mental. 
and it can really, really upset your relationships. So as you said so well, I agree completely, teach people to express themselves early on when they're really angry, but do it in words and do it. A lot of times texting is the absolute perfect way for people you know, on the spectrum and people that are nearly on the spectrum with powerful emotions to communicate their feelings. I teach them not to react immediately. Take a few deep breaths, get on your phone and text the person when you feel you can express it and use words such as your language, you know, what you did made me sad. It made me angry. I don't want it. I don't want it to germinate. I don't want it to get worse. So I'm expressing it. Explain yourself and you can diffuse so many bad relationships and bad reactions by doing that alone. You don't even need to do anything else. But texting and emailing, very, very powerful, takes the emotion out of it and allows you to express yourself without having to sense the reactions of the people that you're talking to. Oh, I, I really love what you said too. Um, getting to the core truth of what the emotion is because a lot of times if, if you don't know if you're not honest about what it is you feel then the the problem is never assessed and that leads to honestly resentment so when you can say listen that what happened or the words you used made me feel like you said sad if you can get to a core emotion um, when you state exactly how it impacted you and also the degree to which it impacted you, it makes it real. And that has helped me tremendously. Um, and I always, you know, I, I try never to, you know, overreact. Um, and just because I don't want to, um, and we'll talk about this in a different podcast, but I have to be calmer because people expect me not to be able to be just because of the diagnosis I live with. Um, one thing that, um, you know, I'll kind of tag along on your idea. I love the text. One thing I suggest to individuals too, is they can always write the text or the email and put the recipient as somebody they trust a friend. So they can write a message to somebody else. And just so you don't accidentally send it, you know, before, like when you're, when you're feeling emotional or you're feeling aggressive, like let's say it's a message to a boss or, mm -hmm. a, or a spouse or a loved one, a partner, whatever. Um, and you had a big fight, you're angry, you're upset, you're writing this. The last thing you want to do is send it to that person when you're at that, that peak heat. So if you can, hold back or if you need to send it just for your own sanity and your own health um it's nice to have somebody you can send it to so for my clients i actually offer that as a service i'm like it's i don't charge for it but i'm saying listen if you're really upset send me the text mm -hmm. and then what i can do is i can look through it and be like hey whoa, whoa, whoa. you know remove a couple of these words because um you know it's a great way for them to communicate Number one, it's also a really good way for them to instantaneously 
you know, let go of some of those emotions because when you write it and you send it, it just, it feels like you at least dealt with it. And then it's not building up internally and um, it's just not fun to have it explode when you don't want it to. So I love that advice. I think that's really solid. So for anyone that's listening and, you know, we've all dealt with it. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're neurotypical or not. Um, it's good advice. Um, and an email's really safe because you can save a draft. Um, and you can, of course, put a, um, you know, a different email address in there. You can send it to yourself. That's actually something that's been working, uh, you know, for me that I started doing, uh, you know, a while back. Um, and then once you work on it and once you're calm, you can send it to the individual you needed to hear the exact words. And you know that you've actually thought through it. And in, in some ways, and I, I think that's actually therapeutic if it works for me. So, you know, I think that your advice to them is spot on. Um, I mean, as far as dealing with, you know, um, the, the family members that take on that other part or so if, if you're getting better, one of the things that's really hard is that, um, there's also the doubt that you're the one that's okay. So for me, no matter what, um, I'm going through and no matter how many years I've been, you know, solid and I have. I literally have proof of, you know, individuals I've worked with and stuff like that. So I know I'm solid, but to this day, I still have that little bit of doubt. Yep. And that is actually a huge thing. It's hard. So when you're dealing with a family or a, a, a partnership, um, you know, whatever the relationship status is, and there is a part where, you know, there is a conflict. The hardest part for me is like looking inwards and going, okay, am I overreacting? Um, is what they did fair? Um, I think, you know, for a lot of people, myself included, and just about every person that I have ever met that is, is diagnosed with something um, that people consider extreme or severe, or even just diagnosed with anything. Um, when they have that hypersensitivity, that extra ability to sense moods, um, or not sense moods, but they just pick up a lot. Um, for me, you know, it's, it's hard to know what I'm exactly, which part I'm playing. Am I the victim? Am I not? Um, and what one thing that is common, I lost my train of thought there for a second, but one common factor is a sense of justice, a sense of honor. So if someone feels that something is truly unfair, that sets me off. And um, I deal with that with some of my clients, including actually uh, a couple of my little family members that I have that are young. And when they see something that is unfair, truly unfair, it really disrupts how they can even handle the situation. It's me, so emotional taxing. Jump on me, that one. Yeah. Um, one of the things I noticed 40 years ago when I first started working one-on-one -on -one with students, and I always worked with the, the, I was the person to go to in the Denver area. If you had a gifted child with learning differences, they called them to, 
capabilities. And one thing I noticed right away is they had exaggerated senses, hearing, touch, taste, but they also had a strong sense of fairness and justice. And the way I chalked, the way I understood that is again, these are people that have exaggerated senses. And most people have a sense of justice, but because all of their senses are exaggerated, these gifted visual people had an even stronger sense of justice. It's one of the nice characteristics of humans. And of course they have it in spades. They have almost too much of it. And that is, I don't know if that's a blessing or not. I guess ultimately it is because um, humanity can benefit from that. But it also means that you're much more likely to get into conflict or to get into a social cause and get into it full, I guess fully is a good way to put it. And you don't see the nuances. You see an injustice, your sense of fairness, which is so intense, is, is injured. So you want to right the justice and you don't really care who you hurt in the interim. It's, it's the goal to make things better for the world or for people that you care about. A little subtlety would be a nice addition to that, nuances, but it's a tendency to think in black and white, good and evil. And to not care who you hurt, interestingly enough, to right the wrong. And uh, if they see something unjust in the family, they'll let, they'll let everybody know. And, they, and diplomacy might go right out the window. So that's something that needs to be modulated. And a lot of this stuff, if you just talk, if you know it, identification that you have this tendency, you, uh, you know, that, that helps to know why you're doing what you're doing. And it also helps other people um, understand why you're acting the way that you're acting. It's, it's something, again, that is not known. I rarely, I've never seen anything written or spoken about, about the sense of justice and how it's so much more intense in people who are on the spectrum, people who are um, very visual, bright, because brightness, creativity, and brightness, intelligence, um, they're all linked. Now, you can be really smart and be um, whole-brained or primarily left-brained, but the people that, are, that, that change the world, the geniuses, the Einsteins, the Edisons, they seem to be all much more, not all, but much more on you know, right hemisphere, gifted and right hemisphere talents. And amongst those talents is a strong sense of fairness. That needs to be, so much more needs to be explained about that. I, it's something that, um, to, to give, uh, you know, our listeners a great example, I was working with one individual, um, a delightful young man, and he went to um, a school to watch his nephew um, accept a, an award because his, his nephew had been in like the top 10%. Um, and so each one of the students that, was, that, that got that award was called up to the stage and got a medal, you know, and his nephew did not get called. 
and he just started losing it and he was upset he was like why no this is not okay and the family called me up and they said he's really losing it he's he's out of control um the whole family's upset you know the the school's kind of not sure what to do because he was causing a massive scene and i said has anyone just agreed that that wasn't fair that his nephew wasn't called his nephew deserved the award everyone else got called his nephew didn't of course he'd be upset the difference was is no one bothered to go there what they did was they said listen you're causing a scene you got to settle down and what he really needed to hear was you are absolutely right but we'll take care of this he'll get his award we're going he didn't he didn't not get the award right it just that it wasn't the right circumstances and the moment that was brought up the calmness started to kick in um so it, it's something for me and, and you know individuals that i've worked with especially when i was doing the pilot study um and i was a study coordinator it was really intense experience because some of these individuals were um highly reactive and um you know getting phone calls in the middle of the night you know from random places and random experiences that was something fairly common and because i had gone through it myself and i knew that about myself um it was easy to relay that but again like you said i had i've never seen anything written about it it's not commonly talked about and it's a vital aspect and you used the exact words i was thinking as you were explaining it was thinking it black and white there's it's literally tunnel vision you have myopic vision you just see the injustice and then the way you described it was phenomenal you end up causing damage to everybody around you because you're so upset and you don't know how to again going back to the communication and the relationships so if someone um, is listening and you have uh, someone you love that has some issues like this you know if you notice that they have this really intense reaction um, and if they ever say this isn't fair or you know if you give them a deal parents do this all the time they'll say listen you know what you can play video games after you get all this stuff done and then the kid gets all the stuff done and um then they say oh no you didn't do this well enough that's that's a changed variable and yeah. they lose it because no i just they probably worked super hard and extra fast why wouldn't they be upset i mean if a job if you had a job and somebody said listen if you get this much done we're going to pay you this much money and then they came back and said no we're not going to pay you that anymore of course you'd be upset that's how um i saw it when i was little that's how some of the individuals i work with see it um so a lot of times and again with young ones in my own family i try to make sure listen let's let's give them specifics so you need to do this and this and this but it has to be to this quality come ask us we'll help you through it once that's all done you know here that's your reward so we try to make sure it's very clear so if somebody is is dealing with it at least that's worked extremely well um, for myself and i wish that you know teachers knew this that parents knew that because a lot of times if if you set everything out and actually 
even um, in relationships in the past. Uh, oftentimes I didn't understand why I was upset and no one actually really allowed me to be upset. Uh, it was, it was, there was such a razor's edge. They were so worried about me going off the deep end or taking right. things to extreme. So I always felt like I had to kind of repress and pull back. And that can only happen for so long. You can only hold back your true feelings before you blow a gasket. And I just um, want to go ahead. Um, I'm reminded of Temple Grandin's words, which are etched in my mind. Um, and that her words were, and I don't want people to lose, because I'm going to use the um, autistic example, but I don't want you to, to lose what I'm saying. Because virtually, I mean, that's who I work with, but I work with people that aren't on the spectrum, but that are almost on the spectrum, or just are creative and highly sensitive people. Her words were, I'm going to try to give it to you exactly and not paraphrase it. People on the spectrum have every emotion that everyone else has, just more of it. And that sums it up. The people that I work with are, if not on the spectrum, have a lot of characteristics that people on the spectrum have. And they feel stuff more. So that when they, their sense of justice is turned on itself, everybody would get angry. They get more angry. And the link between autism and some of the autistic characteristics my god so many people have them and there, there are more more people on the spectrum now than at any time and it's not just a question of identifying them it's really happening in my opinion oh i absolutely agree and um as i love the fact that you said you don't want people to lose those words of you know feeling you know, experiencing more of that emotion because, again, whether someone's on the spectrum, whether someone's got OCD, bipolar, ADHD, borderline personality disorder, schizophrenia, um, literally just go down the list. There are so many overlapping yes, instances where they are so similar. The only difference is, you know what, this person instead of being bipolar, they're schizophrenic because they have a hallucination. Well, you know what? It's how many times has somebody, you know, I think every person on this planet, I did it. I did a tweet about this forever ago. Every person on the planet has thought they heard somebody say their name or something, or, you know, looked in a mirror and think you see somebody. We all experience things like that. But when you're being diagnosed, that can be the single you know, piece that separates one diagnosis from another. And again, that's, we're not trying to give medical advice. We don't want anybody to diagnose themselves. Please seek medical professionals when you're getting into stuff like this. However, there is a clear, there is a direct link between all of them and they are all interrelated. And so like when we're talking, whether, I mean, her words right there fit me perfectly. I was never diagnosed with being on the spectrum, but I was diagnosed with OCD, generalized anxiety, bipolar one, and um, ADHD. So I had those, those were my, that was my, uh, I don't even know what you call that, constellation of, of diagnoses. But 
you know, as far as that goes, those words fit me. So I loved how you make sure. So everyone listening, please make sure you paid attention. He did not want you to get sidetracked. That's not just about the spectrum. Um, and I think that's, those are beautiful words and they're well explained. And, um, you know, I think for, for a lot of people, when, when you're dealing with someone that you love, that is going through some of these struggles, um, understanding a few of these things, like one, they're, you know, they're going to have some explosions. If you can teach them how to have those explosions and actually utilize them. So kind of, um, instead of going against the river, go flow with it. You know, um, when they get upset, say, yeah, you know what? I agree. This is not fair. So what, what's the best way we could, we could adjust this? What's the right way to do this? Or instead of flowing against, say, rules that are maybe perceived as unfair. Well, if you utilize those rules, it can help you. So a lot of uh, ways that I suggest for people, you know, in relationships, and you can do this, whether you're, you know, a parent, a teacher, um, again, any relationship, a lot of times, it's just being able to listen, actually hear what they're going through. Because uh, not being heard is extremely frustrating. And it just simply builds up more of the emotion. And for me, when I felt like I really needed somebody to get a point, I really needed them to understand I was angry about this, or I was upset, or I was hurt or harmed or sad. When they didn't get it, it would only make it more intense. And I don't know why. And maybe that was just a, ref, you know, a, just a reflection, some, I'm trying to think of a, a reflex on my part, because if I made the emotions more intense, maybe they would finally get it because mm -hmm. I was not able to use the right words. I wasn't able to say, listen, this is exactly what I'm feeling. So my, my sadness would sometimes come out as rage. My anger um, would sometimes count, come out as sadness. Um, you know, and so if someone is going through those, a lot of times just giving them space and actually letting them just kind of blow off steam. And instead of making it worse by kind of, you know, going against them and trying to combat them, just letting them and listening letting them vent and then what happens is you can you actually start hearing the little truths and you start figuring out what they're trying to say and especially for parents dealing with a little child a lot of times when i'm working with someone that's young they don't know how to explain some of the emotions they have adults don't know how to explain the emotions we have but the more i listen the more i can kind of fine tune and figure out like how to respond and that is how I would always suggest to other people who are dealing with someone who is, you know, diagnosed with something. Um, they're not considered, I don't like the word neurotypical, but let's, you know, use a scientific term. If someone's not, um, then that's one of the best tools you can do is literally just listen, sit back, hear what they're actually saying. The words themselves are not always what the person is feeling. When they say, mom, I wish you were dead. I said that a bunch of times to my mom and to my dad and to my sister. I was so mean to the people I loved. Those were not the things that I was actually trying to say. So the words didn't mean much. 
everything that was underneath it, the subtext. So like you mentioned before, we're kind of circling all the way back, that sublingual language, um, I picked up on it, but I kind of spoke in that language too. And when that happened, it was very difficult for my parents or my sister. I mean, the, what they had to deal with, um, they had no idea how to, to, to just sit back. And who wouldn't react if somebody says, I wish you were dead or I hate you? You know, of course you want to react and you want to be upset. And sometimes that's the exact wrong thing to do. If you just look at it and go, listen, I know this person has a loving heart. I know they're a good person. Let's listen to it. I'm not saying to take abuse again. You know, I'm not advising not having healthy boundaries. Um, you want to be respectful and you want respect out of your family. You could teach that. But timing is very valuable in any relationship. And just how you had mentioned, wait for people to be calm. You can always talk about a situation later. You don't have to tackle it right then. I am not good at that. I like to resolve things instantly. And that is not yeah. very healthy for... It's a sense... It's a sense, again, a strong... We all want... If we have a dispute, we all want things to work out. So you're thinking, how can I make it work out? You want to resolve it. And when you can't think of the right words and you get so frustrated with yourself, out will come something that you really don't want to say. As a closing thought for me, um, I would say that when you think in images and your emotions are strong, you're going to have conflict. Things are, you're going to get offended. The thing to do is to try to turn them into get the emotion out of it. That's why I like texting. It's it, it just takes all that, and I love your idea of sending it to somebody safe and giving it some time. Lost we, you there for just a second there. That if things are not resolved, again, it come back, it comes back to one powerful closing for me concept it's what temple grandin said we all have the same emotions it's just people on the spectrum have more of them i really like that um i think that that's a phenomenal statement um and for everyone listening you know please uh reach out um leave comments uh you know um, follow us um, on our podcast. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram. We'll put those in, in show notes and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, again, these concepts are very vital. Um, so a phenomenal closing. We'll probably follow up on this again later. But thank you to everyone for listening. And thank you, uh, Jeffrey, for your phenomenal uh, insights. So um, have an amazing day, everyone, and look forward to uh, moving forward and uh, jumping into this subject a little bit more in depth, maybe a second part if we need to. Um, but uh, again, thanks again for listening and please reach out with comments and questions. Um, have an amazing day. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to Chaos to Cared podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with everyone you know. And definitely like, follow, 
and subscribe. Certainly leave a comment if you'd like. Let us know what you'd like us to talk about the next time. Also, in our show notes, there should be direct links where you can follow us on our social media as well as reach out to us directly. Thanks again and have a great day.